And I think uh, even cynical criticism, because there's constructive, that's, that's okay, but this cynical, very negative criticism that they, they start saying, so in verse, I'll just read really quick, in verse two of chapter four, um, kind of go down a bit, they're like, Oh, what are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore this wall for themselves? That's, yeah, maybe they weren't quite that sassy. I don't know. Um, uh, are, you know, can they finish in a day? Can they receive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burned ones? And they start kind of planting these seeds of doubt, um, discouragement, all these things into the mind of the people. And they also they become extremely discouraged and um, and from their original response, when Nehemiah like talked to them originally, their response was, "Let us arise, let's rise up and build these walls." Now they're questioning everything. Now they're starting to doubt what Nehemiah said, and we find ourselves coming to near Nehemiah's response. So today, I want to talk about kind of how do we respond when we face opposition? How do, how do what Nehemiah responded? How can we apply that to, to ourselves today? Okay, yes, so in verse, um, I didn't put the verse, there we go, that's cool. Okay, so in verse, um, let's see, 14. He says, when I saw their fear, I rose and spoke to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. And this is the bit that I got Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And in this, in this response from Nehemiah, there's two big words that stuck out to me. And the first one was remember. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And I, I felt like, especially personally, when I hear words of discouragement or uh, working on this estate is not easy sometimes, the words that kids throw at us when we're trying to help them or even have given them free food. Funny enough, they still kind of throw it back in your face. Uh, the words that people speak over us are very powerful. and. What happens when those words are very negative? And what happens when they're, they're very discouraging? And I think, this is my tendency, sometimes what we do is I, we forget who God is. I let someone else's words, I let someone else's hate that they've put over me, that they've spoken over me, I let that kind of get to me. I let that become bigger than my faith even in a sense, and, and my belief in my, I, uh, my ability to choose to listen to God's words, all of a sudden these lies and discouragement, they become greater. And so my first challenge is to remember who God is, and as a result, remember who you are. And so Nehemiah calls them to remember how great and awesome God is. And our first way to kind of combat this negativity combat these words is to remember who God is. Even though I know for me, I want to forget, I forget that. So easily I forget how, how much greater God's opinion and God's love for me is over a, a kid who, or maybe a loved uh, someone who I really care about than their words that they've spoken over me. And so 
uh, Nehemiah specifically says, remember, remember God. I kind of added a bit to say, remember who you are. Because I feel like if we forget who God is, we often forget our identity and who we are in God. We forget that we are founded and rooted in Christ, that he has made us a new creation. He's transformed us. He's forgiven us. He's saved us. And, and God is so much bigger and greater than any negativity or any opposition or cynical criticism that's going to be thrown your way. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the first thing that Nehemiah calls us to do is to remember. Remember who God is. Remember who we are in Christ. And then the second part of that verse is to fight. And he says, fight. He lists off a of, you know, whole list. Fight for... He pretty much says, fight for your family. He lists brothers and all that kind of stuff. But he's saying, fight for your family. Fight together. Um, but I want to kind of take that out a bit, the word fight, and the idea that this is a spiritual battle. For the Israelites trying to rebuild the wall, they are, there is going to be that spiritual battle. However, they are literally <laughs> trying to fight or trying to prepare themselves for a literal battle. They uh, eventually will get to it. They, they're equipping themselves with swords, actual sh swords, spears, all these different crazy whatever things that they used back then. And but today for us, we are more likely going to be fighting. I hope spiritual battles. I mean, there's going to be so many different types. For me, I just really thought, especially when we come up against spiritual darkness, when we go into places where God's name isn't maybe even recognized, much less, you know, um, seen as something that's actually true, we are going to come up against uh, darkness. And uh, I kind of reference this other verse that I think really applies to us and how we're going about our day-to-day -day, uh, spiritual battles. So in Ephesians chapter 6, um, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil. Just the list goes on and on. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. And I think this is kind of that reminder of Yes, we, we're probably not going to have these physical battles. This spiritual battle is, is real. And it's something that I kind of forget about at times. Um, but our, our uh, later on in this passage, which you can go to the next one, it kind of talks about how we can really equip ourselves and we can prepare for the spiritual battle. So it says to put on the armor of God. So we've got all these different aspects of our faith that we can really maybe intentionally think about, intentionally prepare ourselves for the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and then the, the feet one, it's I, maybe sandals, I don't know what this technically is. It's just us, feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Take up the shield of faith, put on the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So we've got all these uh, aspects of our faith that we can really um, maybe go deeper in. Truth, what is truth, um, recognizing 
that we are righteous in Christ and our righteousness, we are, we are completely, fully seen as righteous in God's eyes. The gospel of peace is on our feet, so we're ready to take that with us wherever we go. The shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which is God's word. So some, these are some of the ways that we can fight. This, these are some of the ways and some of the things that we can equip ourselves with in order to stand up and stand firm in our own spiritual battles. And then to go back to Nehemiah's passage and the people's response. We've heard Nehemiah's response. So how do all the Israelites respond to this idea that they need to remember who God is and they need to fight? And so, um, so in, starting in verse 15, it says, When our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, then all of us returned to the wall, each one to his work. From that day on, half of my servants carried on the work, while half of them had held the spears, the shields, the bows, and the breastplates, and the captains were behind the house of Judah. It also says, um, it goes on to say, they, they strategically place themselves out. Some with trumpets, they've got their, their weapons in other places. Uh, and Nehemiah says, when, wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. And there's, I think it's really, I, I love that this is not an individual effort. That's one of the things that stood out to me. Nehemiah is carrying everyone on his back. He's not saying, I've got this, like, I'm going to do this. And, and it's very strategic. They're placing people in, in certain points. Um, and and they, they put themselves in positions to protect themselves and protect one another while believing that God will fight for them. So it's not like this blind faith of, like, well, we don't need to prepare ourselves with shields or swords. Like, we'll just walk out and we'll just keep building. And, but God will fight for us. I, I love that there's this, there's this planning and there's this strategy involved as well. I think that's really interesting that um, I think the faith of God, that, that last part of God will fight for us is kind of goes hand in hand with them literally preparing themselves as well. Um, so how do we respond to this? How does this kind of apply to us? They set out strategically and they continued to work on the walls and continue to build them while also defending them, which is really interesting. And um, I feel like one of the things Nehemiah isn't, um, he does such a good job of uniting them. I love that. You face opposition, one of the things that uh, I feel like happens is there's criticism, there's division. There's, or there's, there's these tendencies for people to become isolated, for people to start to separate, for people to be pulled apart, disagreements, all these different things. And in the, earlier on in the chapter, we see kind of the results of the Israelites starting to become fearful of, of this negativity and these, and these doubts that have been put in their head. And instead of responding in division, they actually, it brings them closer together. And um, I've grown up playing, yeah, I've grown up playing soccer, football all my life. And one of the things that I always would look out for 
is whenever the other team would start turning on one another and they would start arguing with one another, you knew your chances of winning were just got a lot better. The idea that whenever they became divided against themselves, our chances of winning actually they increased, and, and it was this, this sign of like, oh yeah, we've got this, we've got the upper hand now. And so, in the same way, we don't want to, we don't want this opposition or this negativity, we don't want it to divide us, we actually want it to unite us. Um, and so, yeah, instead of being intimidated by the opposition schemes, the people of Jerusalem prepare for battle while continuing to build a wall together. This is something that we all do together. Um, so now, as a church, what is our wall? What are we building here? And we're building lots of things. What first came to my mind, and I think we see in this passage, is community. We're not, we're not necessarily building anything physical. Well, there are going to be elements of that as we take care of our beautiful building. But I think our community is our stronghold. And the best thing is, they come together and they watch each other's backs. While someone's building, someone's guarding. While someone's working, you know, someone's protecting them. And, and they're working hand in hand so well. And I think that creates the community and that creates uh, their, their unity, really. So as a church, how are, what, what are we building? Are we building a community based on love? Are we serving one another? Are we... Um, preparing and equipping one another to to really, you know, after we leave this building, we're going back to our houses, we're going, you know, Monday we'll be, all be back at our workplace. At my workplace is kind of like the park or a coffee shop, anyway. But <laughs> we're going to be out and about. We're going to be in spiritually dark places. And not only have, have we got to prepare ourselves by putting on the armor of God, but how are we weekly and daily kind of looking out for one another. Uh, so that's kind of my challenge is to uh, be a community uh, that's growing. Let's be a community defined by the way that we love one another, the way that we work together, the way that we live together and serve together. Um, and let's make disciples and keep bringing people into the family. Let's Let's grow and let's put ourselves out in places that are going to be difficult, but we, we're not alone. Liverpool, you never walk around alone, right? So, so in the same way, I feel like that's kind of what our, our community wants to be defined by. And uh, so these kind of last questions to leave you with. How do you remind yourself who God is and prepare to fight? How are you helping and spurring on others to continue in the work God has set out for us? And I really do believe that as a church, like our, I don't even want to call it work, but our lives are defined by how we love one another and how we serve one another and just the way we treat one another and the way we treat people who we want to know Jesus. Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I've got for you guys this morning. I'll pray and then we can move on with the rest of our service. Okay. God, I, um, I thank you for Nehemiah's story. I thank you for Nehemiah's courage and his boldness and his faith to stand up to this opposition, to these negative words, God. I pray that in our own lives, if we face uh, cynical criticism, if we face opposition and, 
and uh, negativity, God, that you would not only help us to remember who you are, that we remember that we are a child of God, that we are yours, and their words do not divine, define us, your word does. And I also pray that as a community, as we go out on this estate, hungry and, 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 and hoping and serving and, and loving these people and these kids, God, that we would just bring them closer to you and, and we would bring each other closer to you, God that we would be defined by the way we love each other and the way we live. And um, yeah, God, I just pray uh, for, for your strength in all of this, because it's definitely not something that we can do on our own. So in your name, Jesus, amen.